late night anger management class continues. This is Sports Rage. I am Gable Morenci. Shout out to all of our radio affiliates tuning in wherever you may be. And I hope wherever you are that you're a fan of one of the teams that are still playing. Like I am, the Buffalo Bills. Uh, make it to the AFC Conference Championship game for the first time since 1993. Uh, Buffalo beat uh, Baltimore 17-3, of course. And Lamar Jackson uh, got hurt like every other quarterback, seemingly, has been getting hurt. So, like, we had Alex Smith was out. Heineke had to come in. You had John Wolford who was playing. Then he wasn't playing. Then he was hurt. Jared Goff has a, a, a broken thumb. He's in. He's out. Lamar Jackson gets knocked out of the game. Mahomes gets knocked out of the game. The moral of the story is you better have a good backup quarterback that's ready to step up and in. But uh, Bill's Mafia, like Bill's Mafia, we're talking about great fan bases and, you know, Bill's Mafia is classy as it gets. And, of course, remember when, you remember when um, Andy Dalton, three years ago, three, four years ago, three years ago, uh, whatever, yes, four, whatever the hell, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, Andy Dalton got the Bills into the playoffs. Tyrod Taylor was still the quarterback, so it was four years ago. Um, they got the Buffalo Bills into the playoffs in the last play of the game against Baltimore, and people donated, like, you know, nearly a million dollars, like, type thing. Like, a ton of money to, to Andy Dalton's charitable uh, fund. And, like, Dalton actually came to tears. And when Josh Allen's grandmother passed away, they didn't tell anybody. She passed on, like, Saturday night. The Bills won the next day, and then they, they said what happened. And people donated hundreds of thousands of dollars i think it's getting up to like 750 maybe it's like close to a million now to 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 that uh foundation and now the buffalo bill fans donate to lamar jackson's favorite charity after ravens quarterback in-game concussion they like you know who does that like the bills fans i'm telling you um bills fans took to reddit to figure out what jackson's favorite charity is then they got to work sending donations the charity is the Louisville chapter of Blessings, based in Louisville, Kentucky, where he launched his Heisman winning career. Nonprofit specializing in ensuring children are fed through federal programs, and especially during pandemic ridden times that led to a mandated closing of many schools. Uh, Bills fans then began uh, donating. Like, come on. Like, you know, like, you gotta be just a nice person to do that. And the Bills fans, like, routinely do that. Those fans in like Buffalo, like they routinely uh, donate to like these charities. It's amazing. Bring it. Remember, you can listen to Sports Grid on the radio, TV, satellite, or the internet. To make it any easier, we'd have to move in with you. And nobody wants that. This is Sports Grid Radio on Sirius XM. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Don't think of us as just sports talk. Think of us as a full immersion crash course in sports news you can use. You listen, you learn. Get the winning edge. This is Sports Grid Radio on Sirius XM. Is the Sports Grid Radio Network. And you know what? It'll be nice having a little extra cash to bet on college football. Yeah, I'd like to bet a hundred bucks. You want to pick a team? No, just take it. Late night anger management class. This is Sports Rage. I am Gabe Lomarenzi. We're throwing it down. Ian Cameron, a.k.a. Babana, will join us a little bit uh, later on. 
I want to get to the UFC. And I know, Matthias, you were watching this uh, last, uh, last night um, slash afternoon um, from Abu Dhabi. And, you know, there was NFL going on. <clears throat> I was watching, you know, both, both uh, the fights and the, the games at the same time. But I got to tell you, man, that if anyone had mixed this Max Holloway fight with Calvin, uh, with, with Qatar, man, what a fight. And I see that uh, Calvin has a broken nose among injuries that he suffered. Broken nose, that's it. The guy's got a broken face. So he, they sent him to the hospital after, uh, what do they say, that uh, a fighter sustained a broken nose in a fight also required eight staples in his scalp to close the wounds that Holloway opened with his relentless offense. Man, Holloway just kicked the crap out of him. And, you know, Calvin was talking about, oh, you know, his, his, his stand-up and his boxing and stuff. And then, man, late in the fight, you saw Max Holloway really started to raise it up a level. He was talking smack to him. Hey, you know, what about my boxing now? <laughs> He's beating the crap out of him. Hell of a performance for Max. It was, it was actually, I think, in my opinion, his best performance in his career. That and the Ortega performance are up there for me. But this was a different time in his career. And I think he sent a message to the entire fight world, not just the UFC, putting his name out there, that he is the best featherweight to ever walk this planet and that he should still be the champion. Now we get to wait and see to see what happens with Volkanovski and Brian Ortega. It would be pretty funny if Brian Ortega somehow beats Alex Volkanovski. And next thing you know, it's Max versus Ortega Part two, I don't think Ortega would want to fight Max again because of what Max did to Ortega's fight in his previous in their previous fight. He literally rearranged his face, and we didn't see Ortega for two years. So I'm kind of thinking to myself, what happens if Ortega does beat Volkanovski? Does he sign off for that Max Holloway fight? Who knows? He's going to have to. You know, I think right now, if you're Max, because I see right now on MMA Junkie, UFC, you know, mat matchmaker, what's next for Holloway, you wait it out. You wait it out right now. You know what I mean? Go back to Hawaii, uh, hang with your family, and, uh, and wait it out. But, you know, we know that Holloway's a badass, but I wondered where he was at just psychologically, how, how much of a hungry fighter he was. He, I think he got screwed over in one of those fights. He's been fighting a long time. You know, he's in fight years. He's old. But we saw, man, that this guy still has a lot to give right now and, you know, added a new dimension uh, to to his uh, to his game, great great fun fight, just such a great fun fight, and uh, and performance. You know what I'm kicking myself is though. You talked about Soriano the other night, and I liked I him. Did. I liked him. I I wasn't buying into Ponzi laying minus three hundred and stuff like that. And in fact, I'm kicking myself for not taking uh, for taking Lee. But um, but Soriano did get it done. Ponzi did not. No, they did, he did not. Santiago Ponzinibbio got a reality check. That two-year layoff really was not good for him. He seemed a little hesitant in the beginning of the fight. Lee was definitely the guy who was hungrier. He was coming off of a big loss in his previous bout. So he was coming out there with a proof. You know, he wanted to prove his point, and he definitely did that. Lee is definitely no joke. Ponzinibbio back at the drawing board. I don't know if age eventually hit Ponzinibbio. You know, this he's not a 29-year-old guy anymore. Age has finally caught up. To the guy who was what, 28 and three before his last bout, and really looking to put his name into the title mix again, because after that layoff, he was right there in the welterweight picture to maybe possibly get a title bout. Now after this loss, he has to climb that ladder again. And you know, after the age of 31, that's kind of tough to do in that welterweight division. I don't know where Ponzinibbio goes after this, but you know what, Soriano, he is the a, a future middleweight 
force to be reckoned with. You know, I told you off the air on Friday that the winner of that fight, this happened this Saturday, you know, the, the Tuskovich and Punahela Soriano, the winner of that fight was going to go up in the middleweight rankings and the loser was going to kind of have to take the hard way back up to the middleweight. Tudorovich was a great fighter. You know, that was a great middleweight bout between these two young, hungry, hungry, undefeated guys. Somebody unfortunately had to lose. But whoever gets to fight Dusko next, good luck, man, because that guy is a killer. Puna just hits a lot harder. That's that's strictly what it is, man. Puna could give a punch and he could also take a punch. And he showed that this past Saturday. And I can't wait to see who he gets next. Brendan Allen might be a name that's being thrown out there. I would love to see Puna versus Kevin Holland, even though I know Kevin would never take that fight right now. I, I have Puna in the yeah. mix right too now. Too much to lose. Yeah, too much to lose, exactly. But um, he's going to be knocking on that door. One thing, uh, one thing with Calvin is, oh, broken nose. I don't know. I wouldn't mind a broken nose. I'd rather have a broken nose than I'm having to put eight staples to close my scalp. Uh, <laughs> I've had my nose broken a few times Peter, already. I felt really bad for well, him. He didn't deserve the beating that he got this past Saturday. I just think that it was the wrong moment to fight a Max Holloway that was that hungry. Cater's a, a superior fighter, not, not a more superior fighter than Max Holloway by no means. But he's a hell of a fighter in that featherweight division. Yeah. He just beat the hell out of Dan Ige. And Dan Ige was coming up the ranks in the featherweight division. He stopped a young, hungry, hungry Dan Ige. I don't know who gets to fight Cater There's different next. levels, though. Yeah, there's different Max, levels. Max is on that elite level, right? And Calvin is a good, really, 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 really good fighter. Max is a great fighter, right? There's, he just he showed, as you stated, it was the wrong night, the wrong moment. You know, the wrong place, wrong, you were at the wrong place at the wrong time, uh, Calvin, so to speak. Now, I see here Conor McGregor. So, Conor McGregor better worry about Dustin Poirier as opposed to keep on talking smack about Khabib all the time. And yeah. it's just so old and annoying. So, he says, Conor, Conor tells ESPN that Khabib is afraid to fight me. That's for damn sure. I don't blame him. I know exactly what to face. I fought the best of him that night, and he fought the worst of me. He knows it. I know it. His team knows it. Uh, I have the answer to destroy that man. He can pull the wool over people's eyes for only so long, but it is what it is. I know there's uh, surrounding things regarding the family. If he's retired, then I wish him well. But I am who I am, and I'm at the top, and time will show, says uh, Conor McGregor. It's like, shut up, bro. He beat the crap out of you. You don't even deserve a rematch uh, with him. And he goes on to say, I think his hand is showing that he's not a true fighter. I mean, how could you retire? How could you walk away? There's so many fights to be had. Like, shut up, bro. You're not even fighting ever. He goes, think of Nate. Think of Ferguson. Think there's Oliveira. Yeah, well, Conor Huggum, you don't fight these people. Right? You don't want to fight these people. Uh, well, you don't want to fight Diaz because you, know, you guys made money. But, yeah, Conor, you want to fight old men all the time. Yeah, Conor wants to fight Diego Sanchez, Matias. You want to fight Diego Sanchez. Remember when Dana told him, like, he said, what are you, stupid? Like, Dana, like, used to kiss his ass. Even Dana's tired of him. He goes, you're not, he goes, what are you? He basically said that we couldn't even get that sanctioned. He goes, what are you talking about? You want to fight Diego Sanchez? Well, I, I, I respect him, and it'd be an honor. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's in, yeah, yeah, that's why you want it. That's why you want a cowboy, blah, blah. And now a lot of nerve for him to be calling out Khabib. You know, no, Connor, we see the, well, we see through your crap, not Khabib. Khabib's got nothing to prove to anybody in the world. He's got nothing to prove to, 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 to Conor McGregor. And listen, Dustin Poirier, Dustin Poirier is a better fighter now than he was before. So 
Connor better just be worried about uh, Dustin Poirier right now, Matthias, as opposed to worrying about uh, about what Khabib is doing. I agree with you 100%. This is not the same Dustin Poirier that Conor McGregor fought when they were featherweights back when they were young, young men. This is a different Dustin. And after watching UFC Countdown last night, you know, Dustin's head coach, Mike Brown, I had the same exact opinion that he had about Dustin today, which is this is not a featherweight. Dustin can take a punch in the lightweight division. You know, him adding those 10 extra pounds changed his form, changed his mentality. It changed everything about Dustin Poirier. You know, Dustin Poirier was a very, very highly touted fighter when he was a featherweight, but that just was not his right weight, his right weight class. He was literally picking and choosing everything that he was eating. And that's not the same guy that we're seeing now. We're seeing a much more loose and flexible Dustin Poirier, but a guy who could take a solid punch in the lightweight division. I'm really curious to see if he could take a Conor McGregor punch in the lightweight division, because if he can, Conor's in trouble. We know that he has a bigger gas tank than, than Conor McGregor. And you know, that, that goes to Dustin right there, the gas tank when it comes to this fight. Right, well, we've got, uh, we've got a couple of cards. Uh, we got two cards uh, this week, so we got a ton of fights to break down. Late night anger man coming to you 24 hours a day, seven days a week, with the sports gaming strategies and information you won't find anywhere else. This is Sports Grid Radio on Sirius XM. SportsGrid.com: Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24/7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering: real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. You're listening to a different kind of sports talk. We're not just talk about sports, but talk about sports you can use. Get the winning edge. This is Sports Grid Radio on Sirius XM. Grid Radio Network. The late night anger management class continues. I am Dave Lorenzi. Let's bring in Ian Cameron, A.K. Bob Bano, to break down the National Football League's Final four, the stage is set. Ian Cameron, how you doing, Babano? Gabe, it's good to be with you. I know you're still on a high after the Buffalo Bills advanced to their first AFC championship since 1993. And I don't know what more football fans and betters can ask for than Tom Brady versus Aaron Rodgers and Josh Allen versus hopefully Patrick Mahomes in the AFC championship game. But it should be a good championship Sunday next week. I can't wait. I love these matchups. Yeah, you know, Babano, if you break it down and no matter what the Super Bowl matchup is, you're going to have a great uh, quarterback uh, battle. As you stated, I mean, you're going to have the, either the, the legendary Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady will represent uh, the NFC. And you've got Mahomes and Josh Allen, um, you know, veterans versus youth. And as you mentioned, look, look but ben, I saw two and a half uh, earlier. It's up to three right now for the Kansas City Chiefs and the Buffalo Bills. Reed says Mahomes is doing okay. I'm under the assumption that Mahomes will play in this football game. I would expect it. And I know Jay Glazer was on the Fox post game following the uh, game between uh, Tampa and New Orleans. And he said that, you know, Mahomes was running to the locker room area, you know, after he left that game after that hit. And he was trying to plead with everybody, apparently, in the locker room area to come back in. I think he's probably going to be good enough to play. It didn't seem like it was as serious a situation as maybe you see. Now, concussion situations, Marenzi, are, are, are difficult because they're day-to-day. 
Things can change. You have to see how he progresses throughout the course of the week. And sometimes players don't make that progression and improvement in their status and in their situation with these head injuries going throughout the week. So this is going to be something you monitor day by day. But the early indication from Kansas City and Andy Reid, as you mentioned, Marenzi, is that they're hopeful that Patrick Mahomes will be able to suit up next Sunday. I can't really recall, Babano, a playoff weekend uh, like this in which, you know, quarterbacks got hurt as much in, in the game. You know, look, you look at the Baltimore Ravens, you know, Buffalo were going to win that football game anyways, but it did change the complexion of the game when Lamar Jackson got knocked out, changed the yep. props, and similar situation uh, today. Look, Kansas City are lucky uh, that they were able to hang on with Chad Henney uh, at the helm. So the Green Bay Packers and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are the early game, and the Packers are laying three and a half. The total is 51 the Kansas City Chiefs are minus three. The total is 54 and a half. Uh, what's your impression of the opening numbers, Mabana? Yeah, I mean, when you look at Tampa Bay, Green Bay, we'll start there first. It was a good weekend for me with those two teams because I like Green Bay against the Rams. They got it done. And I like Tampa Bay against New Orleans, you know, and uh, they found a way. And Tom Brady and the Bucks started slow against New Orleans. They took advantage of some Drew Brees interceptions. And obviously, this looks like this could be it for Drew Brees. And if it is, you know, hell of a career. Uh, but definitely, you could tell this is going to be the problem for Tampa Bay Morency next Sunday. There was clearly an issue with Drew Brees in terms of an inability to throw the deep ball today. That was as clear as day. None of his throws were more than 20 yards. Sean Payton brings in Jameis Winston to pull off that trick play because he needed a deep throw down the field on that play for it to work to uh, Traquan. Uh, and, and that's exactly something that he, obviously he felt Winston could throw that ball more than Breeze could. So the fact is that Tampa Bay's defense played well today. But guess what? Drew Breeze clearly limited by short to intermediate passing routes. Clearly that's pretty much all you can feel confident in him being able to throw the ball today in the game uh, against the Saints, that's not going to be the case with Aaron Rodgers, you know, on Sunday. He's going to be able to find his receivers. He's going to be able to use the outside, the perimeter game with Devontae Adams, Alan Lazard, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, all the weapons he has at his disposal. Robert Tunyon, the tight end who keeps playing well uh, every week. This is going to be a much different challenge. Uh, for Tampa Bay going on the road as well now for a third straight week let's keep that in mind as well you were in Washington against the football team last week you then go to New Orleans here now you're on a flight to Green Bay in now cold weather is not going to phase Tom Brady and I know Marenzi you've talked about let's not overrate cold weather and you can't it is overrated in this instance because Tom Brady's played in cold weather playoff games a ton so it's not yeah. going to bother him uh, so much. Maybe some of the other players, but it ain't going to bother Tom Brady. This is about matchups. If you like Green Bay, and that's the side I'm leaning with right now, you like the matchups. You're not talking about they're going to win this game because it's going to be cold weather. You like them in the game because you think the matchups well. And what I like about Green Bay, too, Morency, is they stopped the run pretty well yesterday, and they got pressure on Jared Goff. The pass rush got home. They've got some pass rush right now, the Packers. I think they have gotten much better pressure on opposing quarterbacks down the stretch, including in the win against the Rams on Saturday. That is going to impact Tom Brady a little bit in this game. I think it's a tricky spot for Tampa, asking them to win three straight on the road. Green Bay is just rolling right now. The way their offense gave, that wasn't some civ defense that they went up and down the field against. The Rams were playing as good a brand of defensive football as any team in the NFL down the stretch. And to see the Packers just pick them apart, essentially, was very impressive. I, I got to look Green Bay in this game. That's my initial thought. 
Ian Cameron, a.k.a. Babano, kick it with us on the Late Night Anger Management Class. I am Gabriel Morenzi, Sirius XM, Channel 204. So Babano's got an early lean to the Green Bay Packers. And, yeah, I always get sensitive about the weather, and we've talked a lot about the weather over the last uh, couple of weeks. And as you stated, Babano, I mean, have we seen the wind in Buffalo was has been the only weather factor game, right? I mean, Justin Tucker doesn't normally miss 40-yard field goals, bro. Uh, Tyler Bass doesn't normally miss chip shots like that. The wind yep. really was something. And, you know, you know this. We always talk about it. I don't care about rain. I don't care about snow. I don't care about cold. Wind is the true killer. Wind is the true issue when you're talking about weather and football. And looking ahead right now, guys, so it will be cold, though, Babano. And I'll, even I'll admit, colder, at least by, you know, today's standards, we're never going to get, like, a freezer bowl again with minus 59 or anything like that. Uh, but at tw- um it's going to be 24 degrees. That's the that's the forecast right now. 24 degrees, uh, some snow, but only six mile an hour winds, and it's a good point. Tom Brady's made his living winning in the snow and into the wind in Foxborough over the years, Papano. He has, and you know he won't be phased by it. Now you worried a little bit about you know guys like Mike Evans and Godwin and some of these receivers who played most of their, all their career in Tampa Bay in warmer weather. I don't know. They haven't played in cold weather a lot. But to me, again, and you've said this before, you can't just hit, you're not handicapping the game based on one yeah. team's going to react better to the cold than the other. So I'm going to bet on the team that's going to react better to the cold. That's not the way it works. You got to look at matchups. You got to look at spots. You got to look at the situation. I think the situation certainly favors Green Bay. You know, this is now only their second game. This is where you find those teams that had the, the, the breast, the bye week to the divisional round. This is where it could pay dividends. Yeah. Where especially in a game like this, Marenzi, where as I mentioned, Tampa Bay's now playing for the third straight week on the road, physical game with Washington, a New Orleans team that had beaten them twice, a ultra satisfying win to finally beat the Saints here after the Saints just pretty much demolished them uh, during the regular season. So I, I think there's things that add up here, Gabe, where situationally there's some elements that Tampa Bay are gonna have to overcome if they're gonna win this game. Very similar situation, isn't it, Babano, to, to, and I should have known better, actually, to, to Tennessee and Baltimore, right? Baltimore had lost to the Tennessee Titans twice in a row. And it wasn't, you know, two times in the same season, so it didn't get talked about in the same way, Babano. But, you know, it, they, so they lost in the playoffs last year to them. They lost in the regular season to them. You lose to a football game, you lose a foot, to a football team, you know, two times in the span of a year like that, especially one of them in the playoffs, the Ravens clearly had that game circled and they clearly knew what to do this time against the Tennessee Titans. Almost similar situation, right, with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They lost the first ever game with Tom Brady. They were absolutely humiliated, um, humiliated on that Sunday nighter when it was 38-3. So they knew the ins and the outs and you know, we fell for it, but Bannon, we talked about it all week. Can a team beat uh, beat a team three times? And historically, it was 12-5. and five. And I bought into that. But at the same point in time, somebody brought up a good point last week, and I don't remember who it was, uh, but Bannon, but they said, you know, one thing is the Saints have beaten them twice. Or do they have a third way of beating them? You know what I mean, Babano? Like, they already yeah. showed everything that they had, basically. We beat you, you know, we beat you in week one. We beat you again. You know, do we can we do any? We don't have anything different to do. And then Tampa realized how to attack this and be more aggressive. And now you're right; they get a totally different matchup. But I'll tell you what, battle, and you 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 are bang on. I mean, you look at the Rams and the the Packers defense did a great job 
Jared Goff, you know, people criticize Jared Goff. Jared Goff played well. It wasn't his fault. He was under duress. Um, the, the the Packers offense was rolling. But let's be real, Babano, the Tampa Bay offense is much more dynamic uh, than the Rams is. I mean, they didn't even have Cooper Cup, right? So it was kind of, you know, it was I think it was an easier task uh, for the Packers. What do you make of these totals? I'm pretty much an over guy, Babano, but we're talking about colder weather, spot to go to the Super Bowl on the line. I'm not running to the window to bet the over. Yeah, it's tricky at 51 in this game with this total. With cold weather, uh, we're going to have to see what the wind is. I don't mind the cold in terms of points being scored. It's the wind that's the factor. Look what it did to the Ravens and Bills game, you know, on Saturday night. I mean, the wind clearly, like that game, that without the wind conditions, to me, you can't convince me. You can't look me straight in the face, straight into my two eyes, (laughs) the straight face, that that game is 3-3 at halftime if the wind conditions aren't what they are. Saturday night in Buffalo, and that's exactly what we saw. That had a direct impact, and it certainly had an impact on both teams throwing the ball. So the wind is uh, important here. You mentioned the pass rush getting to Goff. Smith and Smith, that's the key. The, the law firm of Smith and Smith for Green Bay is Adarius Smith and Preston Smith. They've made all the difference for this pass rush. They've been impressive lately. They've been getting after the quarterback, and, and that's the thing that would worry me here a little bit if I'm Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay uh, Buccaneers offense a little bit. And let's not and let's not kid ourselves either. Tampa Bay did good offensively. They got better as the game went on, but they had some situations that they benefited from. A, a Drew Brees interception set him up inside yeah. the five yard the line. The Saints on one really drive. started to fall apart. Hold yeah, that thought, Tom Brady. We'll take a quick break here. We're kicking it on the late night anger management class. This is Sports Rage. I am Kevin Lorenzi. We're kicking it on Sirius XM 204 and more. The only place to turn for expert sports gaming strategies and information. But we just call it The Edge. This is Sports Grid Radio on Sirius XM. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Football, the goal line. Baseball, home plate. Basketball, the net. Sports. Probably not. 16 hours a day. That's all we ask. This is the Sports Grid Radio Network. The late night anger management class continues. I am Gable Barrett, we're kicking in the late night hours with Ian Cameron, A.K. Bob Bano. Uh, joins us on Sundays and uh, Wednesdays. We've got to get him on Game Time Decisions uh, one of these days uh, with me and Cam uh, as well. Um, So, Babano, uh, you were talking about wind. uh, And, you know, wind is the big factor, obviously. Wind right now, six-mile-an-hour winds uh, expected in Green Bay uh, for next week. So uh, let's take a look at the uh, the weather in Kansas City for next week, except really, who cares about the weather? This game is all about... Mahomes' status all week. It's going to be the Mahomes watch, uh, Babano. The the Mahomes watch begins, Babano. (laughs) It sure will. And uh, I'll tell you what, I got to give Chad Henney some credit because, you know, he comes in, he makes a really good throw over the middle to Travis Kelsey, and he follows it up with just a terrible overthrow intercepted in the end zone. And my first thought is, well, here's Chad Henney. makes a great throw and follows it up with just an absolutely god-awful one. Uh, Isn't that a Chad Henney thing to do? But let's give the guy credit. Mentally, you've got to be able to park that, put it to one side, and forget about it and move on. 
And to see him make the plays he did to put that game away and get, you know, be able to take a knee, wind the clock down, and to be able to make that run to get the first down or at least put them in a fourth and inches situation to go for it and to have Andy Reid have the guts to call a, a passing play with Chad Henney on fourth and inches to Tyreek Hill. Uh, all around excellent execution and a great job by Chad Henney to put that game away uh, by him against the. Uh, That's the thing uh, it's one thing to come in in a regular season game, bro. It's yep. another thing to come in when your team season yes. and you're the Super Bowl favorites are on the line. <laughs> exactly. I mean? like yes. He had the entire fate of the franchise on his shoulders, Chad Henney. Yeah, and, and he made the plays down the street. The big run, a couple of nice throws, the big fourth down throw to put it away. Here's the issue, though. You're doing that coming in cold off the bench. Your adrenaline's flowing. De- the defense on the other side, in this case Cleveland, you know, not exactly a little bit thrown, thrown, caught off guard, a little aback that all of a sudden Mahomes is injured. Here's Chad Henney. If he's starting, and I'm not saying he will, but here's now the Buffalo defense that if that's the case, you know, they got a whole week to game plan and scheme. And you're talking about guys like Sean McDermott and Leslie Frazier. You're talking about guys that look at the experience that these two guys have had coaching defense in the National Football League. How many years the two of them combined? And look at the job they did to get this Buffalo team that we were all panicking about. Oh, the run defense. Oh, the run defense. How are they going to handle this? I told you last week. That's what I said. I said, don't worry about it. (laughs) And look at the game plan. They, you know, they got the team ready. They were just expertly prepared. Um, and and for the and they use their speed to their advantage too, Morency. That's what I loved. I mean, Buffalo gets criticized. I thought they were physical too. I mean, they get criticized for not being physical. I saw some physicality from that Bills defense. What Jerry Hughes sacking uh, Lamar Jackson multiple times wasn't physical football on defense. Give me a break. I mean, people say the Bills are a speed defense that really you can outman them physically. I saw a pretty physically tough Bills defense. Uh, on Saturday night to go with the great speed they have sideline to sideline. Tremaine Edmonds uh, showed once again why he's going to the Pro Bowl. Amazing job. You know, it's going to be interesting to see. I mean, my my first thought is this number's in a great spot. You know, we're seeing Kansas City three. And I would be look. I, my first thought was I want to take points with the Bills here because I think defensively after what I saw against Baltimore and with the great job McDermott and Frazier did to get that uh, team in a position to play great football against a team – that Baltimore was just running the football against everybody. But they're only getting three points, and I think that's because of Mahomes' status going into this game. It, we're going to have to wait and see how that progresses. But Buffalo's defense, I'll tell you what, if it's anything close to the way they played, Gabe, and I'm not just saying that because you're a Bills fan to make you feel good, but if they play anything close to the way they did against Baltimore, they've got a real, real shot to win this football game against Kansas City. And I want to go back to the first meeting with the Bills and the Chiefs. That couldn't have been any worse a scheduling situation for Buffalo going into that game. That was when the Tennessee game got shifted around to that Tuesday. They had to all of a sudden prepare for the Chiefs and the Titans at the same time, play a Tennessee on a Tuesday, play Kansas City on a Monday. Not only that, but a short week, and you're trying to jumble... These two games together at the same time and prepare for them. And they were also banged up beyond belief. I believe Matt Milano didn't play that day uh, against Kansas City. They were injured on defense. There were a lot of things conspiring against Buffalo. doesn't excuse the way they played against the Chiefs, but they're healthier. They're in a better spot. They were red hot down the stretch. This Kind of like with Tampa against New Orleans. They said Tampa's in a better spot 
to beat New Orleans this past weekend than they were when they played New Orleans in the regular season. I kind of feel that way about Buffalo. Doesn't mean they're going to win the game, Gabe, but they're in a better spot to compete and beat Kansas City now than they were in that regular season game. Yeah, as you mentioned, I mean, it was a that was the that was the worst stretch of the Buffalo Bills season, and it was due to the Tennessee Titans, of course, right? The Titans. Uh, got COVID, and they screwed everybody's schedule up. And as Babano stated, so the Bills had to play the Titans and the Chiefs in the same week. But not only that, uh, Babano, they were told, you might play the Titans on Tuesday, but if you don't play the Titans on Tuesday, you'll play the Chiefs on Thursday. Or maybe you'll play the Chiefs on Sunday. It was one of those deals, Babano. Like, they literally... It was a moving target. They literally had to plan for two teams. And two of the best teams in the AFC at the time of battle. You know what I mean? It was like, well, I don't know. We might be playing the Chiefs, or we might be playing the Titans, or we might be playing them both. And as you stated, Trey White was hurt. Milano was hurt. Edmonds was hurt. And, and another thing is, look, even then, Babano, the Bills held the Chiefs to 26 points that night. I guarantee you, Babano, the Bills' offense is better now than it was on that night. And the Bills are going to score more than 17 points this time. I guarantee you, Babano. Yeah, I think this is kind of like situationally, I think Green Bay has got the edge against Tampa. It doesn't mean they win, but I think they're situationals that point Green Bay. I think they're situationals that point Buffalo here. Uh, and again, we're going to have to wait to see uh, what Patrick Mahomes' status is. Does he practice during the week? Is he good enough to practice? And even if he does practice, is he good enough to play next Sunday? There's a bunch of steps he has to go through, but I can guarantee you Buffalo will be a much tougher out and a much taller challenge for Kansas City this time around. Yeah, so Kansas City beat them 26-17, 26-17 earlier in the year. And that was coming off the beatdown, the Bills' worst performance of the year when they lost 42-16 uh, to Tennessee. The wheels just completely fell off. That you know that was the tough that that was the tough stretch uh, for the Bills. They lost to the Titans, they lost to the Chiefs, they beat the Jets, but they became like the first team in like modern NFL history to uh, win a football game without scoring a touchdown. <laughs> and, and uh, you know, they, they had like six field goals, and it was crazy. They couldn't get the ball in the end zone. Then they didn't really look good against the Patriots the next week. And people were kind of down on the Bills. And then they put up 44 on the Seahawks. Then you had the Hail Mary game against the Cardinals. And then there was basically no turning back after that. But I'll tell you what, guys, we've got a fantastic Final Four, man. Like, really. And, you know, I think we take this stuff for granted at times, you know, these players' greatness. But really, you got Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady, and the winner goes to the Super Bowl. And now you've got Mahomes, and you've got the upstart, uh, Josh Allen, and the winner, either Mahomes gets back to a bowl, that is if he plays. But I'm assuming, I don't think the number would be three right now if they didn't think Mahomes was playing. So I think it's like three, and maybe it goes up as we just sort of get confirmation uh, that he's going to play. Ian Cameron, a.k.a. Bob Bano, kick it with us. You know, Babano, I I only have myself to blame on this because I was so excited. You know, I'm a Buffalo Bill fan, so I was so fired up. But, you know, I was doing well with the hockey all week, Babano. And then I I, I sort of took a couple of days off uh, with the pucks because I got so involved. I got so involved uh, with the football, but I would have hit that Rangers and Islanders under uh, again. So talk to me about the pucks. Um, the games are still playing to the over. I could be wrong, Babano, but... I've got it at 20 and 12 uh, to the over so far uh, this year. What's your take on the National Hockey League so far? And what's your take on uh, Monday slate of games? That's, we got a holiday slate uh, on Monday. So we have some afternoon action, Babano. 
Yeah, I mean, definitely. The two games on Sunday in the NHL both went over the total as well. Early in the season, you're going to see off defenses are sloppy, lack of training camp, lack of exhibition games. And it's often going to show up more with shaky defense, shaky goaltending, too, because a lot of these goalies are used to getting a couple games under their belt in a preseason situation. None of them have so far. Uh, and I think that's an impact. Uh, I had a you know rocky start the first couple days, but last two, three days have been really good. Friday, Saturday, Sunday for me betting NHL. So we're on a nice run now, finally, coming into Monday. Uh, there's a few spots I like on Monday. Um, Barry Trotz called his team's effort junk uh, against the New York Rangers in that 4 nothing shutout loss the other night. Semyon Varlamov got injured in the pregame. Someone t- shot the puck high at, and it hit, his, hit him in the face mask area, uh, and he ended up getting injured. And Ilya Sorokin, uh, the Russian uh, netminder, had to come in for the Islanders uh, against the Rangers. So we'll see uh, if Varlamov's feeling good enough to return. But nevertheless, it was a terrible game for the Islanders. Trotz kind of called them out. And the Bruins, you look at the way they played against New Jersey. They beat them in a shootout, and then they lost to New Jersey in overtime. They haven't looked dominant by any stretch so far. I think the Islanders is a home underdog. That's a a side I'm very interested in uh, on Monday. I'm definitely looking at St. Louis puck line. Uh, Laying the goal and a half against San Jose. St. Louis is off a humiliating, what was it, 8-0 loss to Colorado on Friday night. I mean, they beat Colorado the first game, and then Colorado, to say they got them back in the rematch would be an understatement. (laughs) Um, but San Jose's garbage. I know they beat Arizona the first time they played them, but Arizona got them back uh, on Saturday, beat San Jose 5-3. They could be the worst team, one of the worst teams in terms of defense and goaltending in the NHL. Martin Jones and Devin Dubnik doesn't get much worse or weaker in terms of a goaltending tandem than that. Uh, I think St. Louis could roll San Jose. San, San Jose could be walking into a tough spot there. Uh, Carolina, uh, there's no greater wake-up call than losing to the Tro- Detroit Red Wings. And Carolina lost to Detroit uh, on Saturday. Uh, I think they'll bounce back strong against Nashville. I've been betting against Nashville a lot, Marenzi. I still don't think this team's very good. Carolina just minus 115 to minus 120 uh, road favorites at Nashville. I think that price is cheap. Uh, I'll look at Carolina there uh, in that one. Uh, those are the, some of the ones that stick out. Maybe I look toward an over in the Jets-Leafs game. Again, two teams that are very, very shaky defensively. Uh, you could see a high-scoring game there. Maybe a sneaky underdog look at Arizona. Arizona seems to sometimes give Vegas some problems, and they're getting a really, really big price there. I might consider that as well. Vancouver-Calgary, an interesting game. Montreal-Edmonton. I know Montreal beat up Edmonton, and I was on Montreal on Saturday. People will say, oh, zigzag. you got to get Edmonton now. Bet Edmonton here in revenge. I don't like betting the team in revenge when I don't think they're the better team, and I don't think Edmonton is the better team than Montreal. So, I understand people will say Edmonton in revenge for losing 5-1 to Montreal Saturday. I think Montreal's flat out better than Edmonton. I wouldn't want the Oilers in that game. Ian Cameron, A.K. Bob Bano, throwing it down with us. We got about a minute uh, left here, Bano. So that's interesting, and you know, because most of the most of the games that you just talked about were all right. This team got humiliated. This team lost. They bounced back. But you don't feel the same way about Edmonton. But I get it. You can't just blindly do it. But for people that are tuning in that aren't like fully, you know, like you, you bet hockey, but an intricacy that it is true. Hockey when teams get lose, like. The coaches really do come down hard. Like, if their coach doesn't like the effort, they don't like the performance, even bad teams will bounce back. And we've been seeing a lot of this happen, right? I mean, look, Colorado aren't a bad team, but they bounce back in a big way. Uh, the Rangers got um, the Rangers got humiliated in the season over. They responded in, in the next game. We see that a lot. There's a lot of pride. There's a lot of pride in a National Hockey League room. 
Ian Cameron, a.k.a. Babano. All right. Well, I'll tell you what, Babano, I'll, I'll, I'll let you get out of here because you've got a lot of work to do. There's a million hockey games, NBA games, a lot of work to do overnight tomorrow. Full slate of action. You can follow uh, Babano on Twitter at Babano. Get on his mailing list. Get his picks. Uh, check him out. Check out his videos. And, of course, Sports Pub uh, Radio. Thanks for the time, Babano. Thanks, Gabe. As always, good to be with you. It's simple, really. Sports Grid, good. Everything else, bad. This is Sports Grid Radio on Sirius XM. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. We know things are nuts out there. You need something to depend on. That's where we come in. Coming to you 24 hours a day, seven days a week. With the sports gaming strategies and information you won't find anywhere else. Depend on it. Sports Grid Radio on Sirius XM. Kicking it Sirius XM 204. Shout out to all of our affiliates wherever you are tuning in uh, this evening. Hopefully you won more money than we did uh, this weekend. We were very excited about the uh, the Buffalo Bills uh, win, uh, but you want to talk about screw jobs. You were just talking about it with Ian Cameron of, of, of Babano. And yeah, I had Lamar Jackson over 16 and a half completions, guys. You know, he's got 14 completions and he gets hurt. Don't tell me he wasn't going to complete three more passes. So I, I know I'm not alone with this. Other people had Lamar Jackson, rushing yard props, and you know, all kinds of stuff. And it's disappointing. The props the props are tricky. And and the crew in the chat, Muhammad brought up a good point in the chat, actually. And I, brought, I, I talked about it last night um, during the game, too. The quarters go by so quickly. These football games in the playoffs, teams is different, man. Like, the stakes are a lot higher. You'll notice, like, not uh, teams will go no huddle and they'll go up-tempo a bit. But for the most part... Everybody is just sort of standing at the line of scrimmage. They're they're snapping the ball when the play clock is like getting down to five, three, etc. They're changing the plays. Everything is just so magnified, and it's it's pretty much a listen. We're not in a rush, but let's just make sure we score, right? Like get the first down. You notice like there's a lot of 16 play drives and stuff in the playoffs, right? It's like just get the first down, get the first down, all right, and we'll we'll do it again. Get the first down, and it's sort of it eats up the clock, man. And you need a real clean ride. And you guys know I love betting overs. I got burnt. So three of the four games went under. And, you know, whatever. The Bucks game today stayed under by a field goal. It was frustrating. It is It is what it is. But I'm not so sure there's going to be a ton of points in the games uh, next week. All right, we've got early action. I don't like laying 70 cents uh, here. Uh, but the Columbus Blue Jackets, they've had a lot of bad puck luck. They've created a lot of scoring opportunities so far uh, this year. But they haven't won a hockey game yet. They're going to beat the Detroit Red Wings. This game's at noon. They're going to beat the Red Wings, but it is minus 170. The Bruins and the Islanders, I'm a little bit worried about this. I know Babano said he's leaning uh, with the Islanders, but the Bruins own them. I'm looking at the under five and a half there. Other than that, you're on your own. Later. Remember that state championship game you played in high school? Yeah. We, we can't get over it either. This is Sports Grid Radio on Sirius XM. The internet. Technology Grand. Keep it here on the Sports Grid Radio Network.